many cultures from around the world have a story about the world being destroyed by a global flood. Flood legends from around the world, this week on Creation Magazine Live. The Bible's history is supported by scientific observations, and we'll tell you about it on today's podcast. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. Our topic this week is flood legends from around the world. The Bible is not the only account of a global flood. Many cultures have stories about a global flood that are remarkably similar in, in many details to the biblical account. Right, here's an uh, example from the Aztecs of Mexico. When mankind was overwhelmed with the deluge, none were preserved but a man named Koshkosh and a woman called Shoki Quetzal, who saved themselves in a little bark and having afterwards got to land upon a mountain called by them Colcuacan had uh, there been a great many children. These children were all born dumb until a dove from a lofty tree imparted to them languages, but differing so much that they could not understand one another. Now, that sounds like a garbled version of the biblical accounts of, of Noah's flood and the origin of many different languages or language families at Babel. Mm -hmm. it, it's one of the many tales that describe a, a cataclysmic flood from diverse cultures, some of which are very remote, like on islands in the, in the middle of the Pacific, and separated geographically by thousands of miles. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll read uh, more of these accounts shortly, but, but have a look at this chart listing some of them. Across the top are, are a number of cultures from all over the world, and on the side you can see various details from the biblical account uh, of the flood. Now notice how many of the, uh, the green squares there indicating the full representation of the biblical account, even from locations that are really remote, like Fiji and Hawaii there at the end of the chart. Now the, the obvious conclusion is that all these cultures originated from Noah's family who actually experienced the flood. The memories of the actual account have been passed down generation after generation and distortions have crept in uh, as would be expected for the accounts that were not written down but were, were passed on orally. Right. There are a number of reasons that the uh, Bible preserves the most accurate account and we're going to get to those uh, reasons later. But first, uh, let's, let's continue with some of, the, of these other flood legends. As we read these, uh, notice the similarities to the biblical account. There are several Australian Aboriginal uh, flood stories, for example. One tells how long ago there was a flood that covered the mountains so that many of the Nurumbungutias, or, or spirit men and women, were drowned. Others, including Punjil, were caught up by a whirlwind into the sky. When the waters receded and the mountains appeared again, and the sea went back into its own place, the son and daughter of Punjil went back to earth and became the first of the true men and women who lived in the world today. Okay, so... It talks about a mountain covering flood right. and all the people coming from the flood survivors. Uh, great similarities there. Yeah. The North American Indians have several flood stories. One from the Choctaw tribe, which, which tells how uh, long ago men became so corrupt that the Great Spirit destroyed them in a flood. Only one man was saved, uh, a prophet whose warnings the people disregarded and whom the Great Spirit then directed to build a raft from sassafras logs. After many weeks, a small bird guided the prophet to an island where the great spirit changed the bird into a beautiful woman who became the wife of the prophet, and their children then repopulated the world. Right, so that one has a few more details. Right. Um, it mentions the corruption of people, that deity was going to send a flood to destroy all of them except a righteous man. It mentions that his warnings about the coming judgment were disregarded. He was told to build a raft. 
The flood lasted for many weeks. Uh, according to the biblical account, Noah was on the ark for a year and 10 days, not just 40. And it mentions that today's population came from him. So that's, that's quite a few details that are very similar to, to the biblical account. Right, yeah. Uh, there are a couple of stories from ancient China. One is recorded in the Chinese Book of All Knowledge from ancient times. Now that's, that's a 4,320 volume collection that tells of the repercussions of mankind's rebellion against the gods. And it contains this text. The earth was shaken to its foundations. The sky sank lower toward the north. The sun, moon, and stars changed in their motions. The earth fell to pieces, and the waters in its bosom rushed upwards with violence and overflowed the earth. Right. Another story from ancient China. In the folklore of the Banars, a primitive tribe of... Uh, tribe of uh, Cochin, China, tells of how the rivers swelled till the waters reached the sky and all living beings perished except two, a brother and a sister, who were saved in a huge chest. They took with them into the chest a pair of every sort of animal. Now much of the content on this week's show comes from a fascinating article that was in Creation Magazine. Now the magazine's long gone, yeah. but you can read the article on our website at creation.com slash flood legends. There are at least 500 legends of a worldwide deluge. And many of these show remarkable similarities to the details about Noah's flood that we read, of course, in the Bible. And we're going to read a few more, uh, then we'll look at how uh, the skeptics attempt to explain away the obvious conclusion that there really was a global flood, yes. as the Bible describes. So flood stories from the continent of Africa are rare, but one from Egypt tells of an ancient creation god, Tem, who was responsible for the primeval flood, which covered the entire earth and destroyed all of mankind except, except for those in Tem's boat. All right, the Incas of Peru also had a tradition of a deluge. They said that the waters rose above the highest mountains in the world so that all people and all created things perished. No living thing escaped except a man and a woman who floated in a box on the face of the waters and so were saved. Right. And the, yeah. the stories of the Teutonic tribes of Scandinavia are, are, are vivid and, and they're kind of terrifying when you, when you read about them. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the imagery of these legends emphasizes the size of the, the cataclysm. Uh, one of these tales describes the chaos of the world when the mighty wolf Fenrir shook himself and made the whole world tremble. The aged ash tree Yggdrasil, pictured as the axis of the earth, was shaken from its roots to its top. Uh, to its topmost branches. Mountains crumbled or split from top to bottom. Men were driven from the, their hearths and the human race was swept from the surface of the earth. The earth itself was beginning to lose its shape. Already the stars were, becoming, or were coming adrift from the sky and falling into the gaping void. Flames spurted from fissures in the rocks. Everywhere there was the hissing of steam. All living things, all plant life were blotted out. And now all the rivers, all the seas rose and overflowed. From every side, waves lashed against waves. They swelled and boiled and slowly covered all things. The earth sank beneath the sea. Then slowly, the earth emerged from the waves. Mountains rose anew. Men also reappeared, enclosed in the wood itself of the ash tree Yggdrasil. The ancestors of a future race of men had escaped death. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, the big question is... How do people who don't accept that there was a global flood, and this includes many people uh, in the church today as well, how do they explain all of these flood legends? Because, again, the most reasonable explanation is that all these legends find their root in the same global flood experience 
that we that is recorded there in Genesis. Right, and we've read just a few of them, and uh, as we said earlier, there are, there are more than 500 of them globally, so it, it's really difficult to, you know, to explain if, uh, if there wasn't a global flood, yeah. and um, of course it's associated rebooting of the human population. Well, they try to explain away these flood myths, as they are often referred to, by suggesting that perhaps all of the peoples of these remote civilizations had different flood experiences that by chance had all these features in common on which they base their stories. <laughs> right, that makes sense. Yeah. Actually, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All, all kinds of separate little floods all over the world result in remarkably similar global flood accounts? There's uh, not a chance. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll, they'll point to, to sketchy evidence of uh, many fairly large local floods mm -hmm. happening all over the world thousands of years ago. Uh, for example, Wikipedia, the user-editable online encyclopedia, suggests that yeah, very reliable, suggests that uh, a few of these local floods being, it, it suggests some of them being the basis for the flood accounts in the regions in which they took place. For example, it says, it has been postulated that the deluge myth in North America may be based on a sudden rise in sea levels caused by the rapid draining of prehistoric Lake Agassiz at the end of the last ice age. Right, well, you notice the tentative language here, right? right. Yeah. It has been postulated. I mean, Lake Agassiz probably did drain after the Ice Age, but the Ice Age itself was the natural result of the global, global flood. flood. Right. We did a show on the uh, Ice Age a couple of years ago, and you can view it at uh, creation.com slash CML2-24. Now, other Wikipedia explanations include, excavations in Iraq have revealed evidence of localized flooding at Shurapak, that's modern Tel Farah in Iraq, and various other Sumerian cities. Right, and here's another one. Adrian Mayer promoted the hypothesis that global flood stories were inspired by ancient observations of seashells and fish fossils in inland and mountain areas. The ancient Greeks, Egyptians, and Romans all documented documented the discovery of such remains in these locations. The Greeks hypothesized that Earth had been covered by water on several occasions, citing the seashells and fish fossils found on mountaintops as evidence of this history. Well, that's nice. Um, <laughs> if those little flood events or the discovery of marine fossils on mountains were, were the spark for these flood legends, how do you explain the amazing similarities between them? Right. right? Bible skeptics attempt to explain global flood legends just don't hold any water. Uh-huh. Sort of. <laughs> uh, pun intended. Another uh, Wikipedia comment reads, Another hypothesis is that a meteor or comet crashed into the Indian Ocean around 3000 or 2800 BC, created the 30 kilometer or 19 mile undersea Burkle Crater, and generated a giant tsunami that flooded coastal lands. Okay, yeah, how does that work? I mean, if it actually <laughs> happened, firstly, how did it result in a story about humans being evil and violent, so the creator <laughs> sends a flood, but there's someone who's good and is allowed to survive, to repopulate the earth, and, and then secondly, how did the same story circulate all over the globe? Right, I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> those are, are two major problems for the Bible skeptics, right? Yeah. For, yeah. for the first one, they have... Uh, They've suggested some events that might result in the flood story. However, yeah. their attempts really, I mean, they're pretty lame. They are. Uh, but even if there, there was, that was solved, it's the similarities between the stories that they, they actually have no answer for. Right, okay. So let's outline those similarities. Funk and Wagnall's Dictionary of Folklore, Mythology, and Legend stated under, uh, under the heading Deluge or Flood, a world cataclysm. 
during which the earth was inundated or submerged by water, a concept found in almost every mythology in the world. Right, and, and it goes on to describe the, the bare bones of the usual deluge story as follows. The gods, or a god, decide to send a deluge on the world, usually as punishment for some act, broken taboo, the killing of an animal, but sometimes for no reason. Certain human beings are warned, or it comes without warning. If warned, the people construct some kind of vessel, a raft, an ark, a ship, a big canoe, or the like, or find other means of escape, climbing a mountain or a tree, growing tree, a floating island, calabash or coconut shell, a turtle's back, crab's cave, etc. And, and sometimes also uh, they save certain thing, uh, things essential to a, a way of life, such as food and uh, rarely domestic animals. Then the deluge comes in, rain or a huge wave, a broken container or opened, uh, a monster's belly punctured, etc. Bird or rodent scouts are often sent out, but this is not universal. When the deluge is over, the survivors find themselves on a mountain or an island. Sometimes they offer a sacrifice, not universal, and then repopulate the earth, recreate animals, etc. by some miraculous means. Right. So there's a, a list of details that these flood accounts ha have in common, but you know it, it seems like the encyclopedia and Wikipedia they always seem to feel the need to reassure readers that, as, as Wikipedia you know put it, uh, a worldwide deluge such as described in Genesis is incompatible with the modern understanding of natural history, especially geology and paleontology. Right. right. Well, actually. The reality of a global flood, as the Bible records, is the key to understanding, uh, to, to understanding ancient history, the origin of nations and languages, the size and, and demographics of the current population, the nature of the fossil record, mm -hmm. and the large-scale geologic structure of the entire Earth. Mm -hmm. we, we did an episode with some of the details on those things, on those topics, last year. You can watch it online at creation.com slash cml5-06. Right. In addition to that, the flood, it's the key to understanding the age of the Earth debate. Yes. Right? Yeah, the, the global flood dramatically accelerated geologic processes that, well, at today's rates of erosion or sedimentation, you know, continental drift, mountain building, etc., it probably would have taken, taken millions of years. A long time, yeah. But, but the flood accelerated all of those processes. Right. As Bible believers, we shouldn't be surprised that people both inside and outside the church mm -hmm. reject the global flood and try to dismiss the mountains of evidence for it. These flood legends are just one piece of evidence among many that the history recorded in Scripture is accurate. Right. And the reason uh, we shouldn't be surprised is because the Bible tells us that people will uh, deliberately overlook the flood. In other words, they'll deliberately reject clear and obvious evidence right. for a global flood. Yeah. In, uh, in, in 2 Peter 3, 5 and 6, we read, For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of the, these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. You know, I like to point out to people that uh, for Christians, if they're saying that Noah's flood was a local flood, it wasn't global, and those are what the millions of years believers would notion. say, right? You can't have a global flood and millions of years. And so Christians say, well, it's a local flood. Well, what this prophecy would then say was in the, uh, you know, in the last days, people were going to come yeah. and deny a local flood. Yeah. But nobody denies nobody a local denies. flood. <laughs> Everybody denies a global flood. So yeah. that doesn't even make sense. Right. 
Now, the Bible also tells us that people will scoff at a global flood, mm -hmm. but that's not all. People also ridicule those people who believe what the Bible says. Even people who self-label as Christians mock Christians who stand up for what the Bible says about a global flood. We see that. Yeah, and there's no shortage of uh, hatred kind of heaped upon those who follow what Jesus taught. Yep. And he taught that there was a global flood. But that too shouldn't be surprising. In John 15, 18 to 20, Jesus said, um, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world uh, would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is no greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. Right. Now, many people hate the truth, mm. and they scoff at people who love the truth. If you take a stand for truth, especially for biblical creation and a global flood, you've likely experienced very, various levels of persecution. But be encouraged by the persecution. Remember that Jesus said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Right. That scoffing and ridicule you get for believing what the Bible says is storing up a reward for you in heaven. It is. You know, it's a good deal. <laughs> so Now here's something to consider. The existence of all these flood accounts from cultures all over the world aren't disputed by skeptics. Right. They're, they're not saying that those accounts don't exist. Their challenge is to try to explain them away or to try to explain them being the result of something other than a global flood. <sighs> they aren't able to do that very well, of course. So here's a question from maybe a little different perspective. How would Bible-rejecting skeptics react if there were no flood legends and the only place a global flood was recorded was in the Bible? Right. Well, in that case, then, the, the skeptics would question how the memory of such an awesome event could be lost in so many cultures. Absolutely. Right? They'd attack the Bible's account of a global flood. The bottom line is, uh, flood legends are expected if the flood happened. In, yes. in other words, the situation we have today, the cultures all over the world have distorted memories of, of a global flood, is exactly what would be expected if there really was a global flood. Right. But people who reject God's word, or at least those who reject the history the Bible records concerning a global flood, attempt to ignore or minimize the massive amount of evidence for it. Right. And, and why is it rejected? Because a global flood means that the fossil record isn't millions of years old. There we go. Yeah. Uh, that's the main reasons why, why, why Christians and, and non-Christians reject or distort clear evidence for a global flood so they can keep clinging to the poorly supported notion that the world is millions of years old. Right, and ironically, I mean, that's the main issue in the origins debate. It is. It's yep. not creation versus evolution, it's yeah. the age of the earth. Evolution is so full of uh, holes scientifically that even non-Christians, you know, people who have no allegiance to, to biblical truth, are pointing out how ridiculous it is. Right, yeah. Uh, at creation.com, there are more than 10,000 articles by scientists and researchers from all over the world dealing with many, many areas where evolution fails. We're at the point now where we're refuting evolution is sort of a no-brainer, really. It's, it's, easy, it's easy to refute evolution. Right, but the age of the earth it is the issue that ultimately destroys the gospel. I mean, if the rock record is really millions of years old, that means it existed before Adam sinned. 
Uh, but the Bible says that death came as a result of Adam's sin. Yeah. Jesus' death on the cross then pays the price for sin, and death is the penalty for sin that was established when Adam first sinned. Right. So the world before Adam was described by God when he, when he finished creating as very good. Right, but the fossil record is not only a record of dead things, including dead humans, but also many terrible diseases, including cancer, which would have caused pain and suffering. There are fossil thorns. Could all those things have been there at the end of creation when Adam and Eve were already there and when God called his creation very good? Well, of course not. I mean, no. the, the solution is the fossil record uh, must have been established after Adam's sin, not before and after the curse was pronounced on creation. Right. The global flood taking place about 1,600 years or so after Adam's sin is a perfect mechanism for producing the fossil record and encapsulating all of the bad things that are the result of Adam's sin. Right. But if the flood produced the fossil record, then it obviously can't it's, be used as, as evidence for millions of years. No. There's an either-or situation here, right? Right. So no. it, it can't be both the result of a global flood and the result of slow deposition over millions of years. Yeah, and because many people today have bought into the millions of years and are not aware of the massive evidence for a young universe, they cling to the notion that the fossil record is millions of years old, and that destroys the gospel. Right. If there was death and all of these bad things before sin, then death isn't the penalty for sin. And Jesus' right. death didn't pay for anyone's sins since there really is no connection between death and sin. Yeah. So it's the millions of years, especially how it affects your understanding of the flood and the fossil record, that is the main issue for Christians because it's the main issue for the gospel. Right. And one of the most uh, well-known flood legends is the Mesopotamian epic of Gilgamesh. Yes. Like the other flood legends, it has many similarities to the biblical account. Yeah, but the biblical account predates the Gilgamesh epic. Moses very likely compiled portions of Genesis from tablets that may have been written by Noah himself or Shem, Noah's son, who were eyewitnesses, obviously, of the flood. Right, and the biblical account is, is far superior. I mean, yes. even the order of sending out birds is logical. Noah realized that the non-return of a carrion feeder like a, like a raven proved nothing, while Utnapishtim, uh, the uh, hero of the Gilgamesh epic, sent the raven out last. But Noah realized that a dove was more logical when the, uh, when the dove returned with a freshly picked olive branch. So Noah knew that the water had abated. And its non-return a week later showed that the, the dove found a good place to settle. Right. Also, the ark construction in the Gilgamesh story is a nine-story cube. <laughs> it's really uh, not very seaworthy. It'll float. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the biblical ark dimensions produce a very stable vessel. The biblical account is the original, most accurate. The Gilgamesh account is the inaccurate one. Right, so to conclude, the cultural memories of a world-destroying flood, obviously altered by centuries of telling and retelling, provide powerful worldwide evidence consistent with the reliability of Genesis. Yep. They're an exciting reminder of the way in which the, the true history of the Bible connects with the real world of today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's so many other evidences for a global flood as well. That's what we do at, at Creation Magazine. And, and on this show, Creation Magazine Live, or I should say uh, Creation Ministries International, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Creation Magazine, Creation Ministries, you, you can see kind of the heart of the ministry, the thrust of the ministry, by looking at Creation Magazine, by mm -hmm. Creation Ministries International. You can look at a free copy, go to creation.com slash free mag. You can look at a, a digital copy there and flip through it on, you know, online. The pages flip over and, mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's, a, that's our flagship publication. That's right. See you next time. Creation Magazine Live is a production of Creation Ministries International, the publisher of Creation Magazine and the minds behind creation.com.
If you want to chip in to support our ministry, go to creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.